0: This is the Fantasy Ladder Podcast, episode 17. I'm your host, Steve, at Fantasy Ladder. This podcast is brought to you by the IDP Guys Network from idpguys.org. So, welcome back, my fantasy football friends and family. Let's climb the ladder of fantasy football together. So in this episode, we are going to be continuing our fan base series. Uh, we're going to be bringing you some of my favorites from the fantasy football community to discuss uh, their favorite teams. So today, uh, we are going to be talking about the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm bringing on some guests just to add a little bit more depth, a little bit more heart to the to the uh, discussion. Because I might not be as plugged in or as in tune with the team like my guests are or like my favorite team, which, of course, is the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, we're going to bring on our guests right now. Starting with uh, Jesse, you can find him on Twitter at jmoller05. He is a writer for the theleaguewinners.com uh, and uh, shout out to the Dynasty League or to, to, to the Dynasty Lounge, I should say. Uh, really awesome uh, space where we can talk all things football and more. Uh, so Jesse, how you doing and how long have you been a Seahawks fan?
1: So I'm doing pretty good. Um, outside of like Seahawks life like everything else is good (laughs) Seahawks life isn't so great these days but um, I actually went to my first game in 1987 the year I was born Uh, my parents dressed me up like Brian Bosworth with like the mohawk (laughs) and everything so there's this little picture of me as like a baby where I have the colors and everything it's like it's basically I got indoctrinated at birth is how I I talk about so I've grown up with them my whole life and never left it's like Seattle Seahawks forever is how it goes
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the, the one small connection I have to Seattle is like growing up as a I was born in 89. So mm-hmm. I, I consider myself a, a kid of the 90s. Ken Griffey Jr. That was yes. my first non Philadelphia team sports jersey I was able to receive as a gift. So I mean, I know that I'm not I'm not special for 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 loving Ken Griffey Jr. But still, as I first non Philadelphia sports jersey and team hat. So that was like a kind of a controversy uh, there. Just kind of thinking back on it now, but I always love the Mariners because of Griffey and, and the color scheme. I just Mm love like the blues and greens and teals and and the silver and all that. Um, So yeah. uh, One of these days, I'd love to make it out that way. Um, But either way, appreciate you having you on the show. And uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun tonight.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, every kid of the 90s pretty much loved griffy at some point like
0: that's right you, yeah. he,
1: we all grew up with him he was all like i'm not left-handed at all but i would go up and do the left-handed swing and all that fun stuff just cuz i mean how could you not love ken griffey junior
0: yeah we would like imitate different like swings of the day like in our backyard mm-hmm. playing wiffle ball and you held the yep. bat in close like griffey you know <laughs> and that, this is what you had to do that was just the only way to to do it but mm-hmm. that's awesome all right. And our next guest is Scott. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at uh, ff He does a variety of content at the great IBT media and he is a writer for fantasydata.com. So, Scott, how are you doing? And how long have you been a Seahawks fan?
2: I'm good. I'm hot. Jesse and I were talking about it. It's hot up here. We're not used to this type of heat. So, I'm sweating, but I'm good. Um, I've been a Seahawks fan pretty much the same amount of time as Jesse. I. I basically uh, figured out what it was like, what it, what it meant to root for a home team right around 1987, <laughs> 1988. Before that, I was aware of sports, but I just kind of rooted for whatever. So it was right around 87, 88, my first Seahawks game ever. I don't remember exactly when, but it was in the kingdom and it was against the Chiefs back when the Seahawks were part of the AFC West. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. So yeah, I've been, been a Seahawks fan for better, for worse, ever since. I did get to see, I saw Quake happen live. I was at the stadium for that. So,
0: Jeez, oh, it's awesome. Uh,
2: one of the most memorable experiences. Although, honestly, my most memorable experience probably as a Seahawks fan was outside the stadium in the championship game in 2005 against the Panthers. Um, how loud that stadium, because that was right when the whole crowd noise thing was really becoming a, mm-hmm. a well-known thing about how loud it was there. We got out of our car in the parking lot, and it was deafening outside the stadium. Yeah, I'll never I mean, forget. Wow, I, I'm
1: getting goosebumps right
2: now just talking about it. And it was, it was 17 it, years
1: ago. It was incredible. It was like I went to that game, and it, we would try to talk to your like the person sitting next to you. You couldn't hear them. Like you were trying to talk, like they were like right here, and they'd be like, "What? I can't hear you." And we were, It was just like it was a ridiculous experience. Like I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought that up because like that they always make this big thing about it like on the tv broadcasts and probably the probably the the most loud event i've been to is like a like penn state football games which is like pretty well known for like a big crowd and, and everything else in the noise level but so it sounds like it is obviously very true with, with like the decibel levels you can't even talk to the person who's next to you that's definitely is on my bucket list of kind of like stadiums or experiences to, uh, to check out. So that's great. Uh, that, right. that's really neat. Yeah. Need
2: to give it, give, give it a few years before
0: it's that yeah. long again. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll discuss plenty of that, but, um, <laughs> several years ago, well, I guess a few years ago, I did see the Seahawks play against the Eagles in Philadelphia. This was like a early or Mid-November game, uh, a late. Uh, it's like a mid-afternoon game, at least in Philadelphia. It's like a four twenty-five start, and uh, this is with Lynch and 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 Russell Wilson. Sherman was still on the team, so it was like kind of like the peak of like of that regime, and it was one of the most brutal games to to watch because like the Seahawks were just so dominant at that time, and that is just what I think of when I think of the Seattle Seahawks. So. It is going to be a very odd year, and I'm uh, I'm excited to hear your guys' uh, perspective on that, even though it might be a little bit of a bummer. I still appreciate you guys coming on and uh, and talking it out here with me. Uh, so what we're going to do is basically just start w- w- with a summary of the 2021 season, work our way through free agency, the draft, and then looking ahead to uh, the 2022 season uh, in terms of uh, the actual team's wins and losses and things like this, but also the fantasy football implications for all things related to the Seahawks. So um, last season they finished with a seven and 10 record, unfortunately last in the NFC West in a very competitive NFC West uh, with three teams making the playoffs and, uh, of course, the uh, Super Bowl champion was also in that division. Um, in the middle of the season, there they did temporarily lose uh, Russell Wilson to to the very nasty finger injury that he suffered in the middle of the Thursday night game against the Rams, uh, which is really just one of the most tilting like fantasy football scenarios, right? It's like an early, it's a first game of the slate. It's a position that you're really not going to bench unless you really have like elite options above. As far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. If you have Russell Wilson, you're starting him, you know. Um, so when he leaves halfway through the game, it just really puts you behind the eight ball. Um, and then what, what I do remember about that broadcast was they just kept showing the finger, all like bent up and out of place. I'm like, what? Well, why are they doing that? Like, we, we don't need to see that anymore. It's just, let's just move on. Anyway, unfortunately. Um, The Seahawks now enter a new era without Russell Wilson. We'll touch on the trade uh, that that went down in March in just a moment. Um, And I just want to touch quickly on the recent news. Uh, Chris Carson, uh, the, uh, I would argue, the star running back uh, for for the team, is officially retiring after having the uh, cervical fusion. Uh, I do think this is probably the best call for his long-term health and quality of life uh, moving forward. I love that guy. Awesome story. You know, just kind of came, I want to say out of nowhere, but he was a, a late dra- uh, a seventh round draft pick, I believed, or yeah. yeah. And um, you know, he just was one of these players. It's, it's weird to say out loud. You see these tweets all the time, but he was this guy who had like that, that like dog in him, Right. Uh, so I really do appreciate him as a player. Sad to see him go, but I really do think it's probably for the best because even when like Peyton Manning had his his uh, cervical fusion, we we're kind of like all cringing, like please don't get hit too hard, like you know what I mean, and things like mm-hmm. that. So uh, just just for a running back, just asking for trouble uh, with that type of an injury that that could get bad quick. So uh, yeah, going back to that Russell Wilson trade, um, the Seahawks. Um sent Russell Wilson and a 2024 or sorry, a 2022 fourth for a quarterbacks, uh for quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first round picks 2022 and 2023, two seconds, also 2022 and 2023, and a 2022 fifth to the Broncos. Uh, so guys, what did you think about that trade at the time back in early March? And, um, now that the draft and everything has taken place, um, how, how are you processing that now? Is it bittersweet? Was it a gut punch? Uh, we'll start with you, Jesse.
1: Um, initially I very much despise it. Like I don't, and then the corresponding moves after that don't really make sense to me because they made all those moves and then they re-signed veterans. Like they're still trying to compete this year. Um, and then they drafted running back. So there's like all these dominoes that fell afterwards, which I didn't fully get. And I still don't understand the full plan with it. So I'm really looking forward to 2023. Um, <laughs> if it goes as I expected it to go to, um, I'm just very confused about the actual plan of where they're going because like, they're, they're probably going to resign DK here soon. They have Lockett locked up for a couple and like, they have all this money in these veterans. So it's, it's curious to see how they're going to make this work without a quarterback. I mean, like, we know who Geno Smith is and Drew Locke was <laughs> he's maddening as a quarterback, to say the least. So I'm still like, I guess still processing it, even though it's been months. Um, I'm just not sure on how it's going to end going into this year. Like I expect them to be very like middling this year. So they won't get a great draft pick. And then you're kind of just stuck in this in-between, which I think is a very bad spot for teams to be. So that's kind of a short way of saying where I'm at with it right now.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. How how, how about you, Scott? Um, Any different thoughts there? Yeah.
2: No, not really. I will say it was kind of funny because, like, the second article I wrote for Fantasy Data, they were like, it was before any of the big trades happened. And one of the assigned articles was, your thoughts on a potential Russell Wilson trade and so i was like oh i'll take that i'm a seahawks fan so i took it and spent hours and hours writing an article about how there's no way he was going to be traded and mm-hmm. then like literally 2 days after it was published <laughs> <laughs> like, he got <laughs> but my logic with it was um i thought that they would i thought that they would keep him he would play this season and then they wouldn't re-sign him um but i think one way or another russell was on his way out of town very soon Mm -hmm. so you know you hate to be like well it's good that we got something and not nothing but I mean it's it it is quite a haul that that they were able to get um you know it did you know we'll we'll see what drafting a running back in the second round where that goes but it allowed them to get what I thought was a good value defensive end and boy Mm Mafe and the running back because they had both those picks um you know and then they I like Noah Fant he's young but I, I do agree with Jesse it's just it they're a team that are too, I don't know, I don't know how NFL teams operate. We as fans and we as fantasy analysts and what all, we're like, oh yeah, okay, so you just lose all your games. You get the best quarterback and then you do this and you do that. And it's all very straightforward and simple, but like yeah, the Seahawks organization is not looking at this like, well, okay, let's just yeah. lose. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, they're too stubborn for their own good. Obviously they're going to try and win and it's Pete Carroll. So he's going to sugarcoat every single move. <laughs> um. So I'm I'm curious to watch how it plays out. Um, I'm not expecting much this season, which honestly, in a weird morbid way, is a little bit of a break. Um, just to, I'm not gonna have to stress it as much. I plan on watching the games kind of from different angles, watching some of these young defensive players um, develop. You know, try just knowing that like, okay, for the first time in 10 years, they're just they're not a competitor.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned Pete Carroll sugarcoating because that's, like, his thing 101, what he does. Oh, yeah. Like, I love how when they made sure they got Drew Locke in the deal, he was like, oh, yeah, we had him graded and I was a first-round talent back in that year. And I was like, that would, like, why does that matter at this point? Like It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you but that's what Pete Carroll does. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. It's like, so you would have taken him and done what with Russell Wilson. But it just cracks me up because he's always – like over the top positive, and even with like Geno Smith, he's like, well, yeah, Geno's our guy now." And then they're going into camp, you don't really know what's going on, so you're like, "Okay, well, we'll see what happens."
0: Yeah, it's it, it's it's got to be really tough. I remember when the Eagles got rid of like Donovan McNabb back in the day, it was like, "Oh, this is like," he just was such an integral part of like that era and going like having like a lot of deep playoff runs and stuff. So I mean. Obviously, I, I would say that Russell Wilson like is better in a lot of ways, you know. But either way, uh, obviously, with the Super Bowl win and, and everything else, and get into another Super Bowl. Um, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Russell Wilson was active, like the Seahawks were never like out of a game, really, yeah. you know. And um, it just was. He just was one of my favorite. I mean, he's still playing, obviously, but like he just from the moment he was drafted, he really just was like one of my favorite players. Just once he was playing in the NFL, um, you know, aside from all the corny stuff off the field, all that went away once he was playing, you know what I mean? He just, he just was a phenomenal um, competitor, unbelievably efficient. There's very few quarterbacks that I would want leading my team. If I needed to like take the ball down the field, than like Russell Wilson. So I, I, I was devastated for Seahawks fans, but just as a fan of Russell Wilson, I am also excited for the opportunity in Denver, but um, either way, I'm not trying to like drive the wound deeper or anything. Well, Um, I mean,
2: really as, as Seahawks fans, you know I mean? Like everything, everything fluctuates in the NFL. We got, we had a quarterback who never missed a game from his rookie year on. And we made the playoffs pretty much every season for 10 years. Like that's a pretty good run in the whole scheme of things. So that's also yep. why I'm just like, I don't know if maybe it's just my own self-defense to not get too emotionally attached anymore where I'm just like, Oh, this is fine. And once that first kickoff goes and drew lock or whoever throws his first interception might be a different attitude, <laughs> but for now, it's just like, it was a pretty substantial run for a quarterback to go that long without getting injured. And I mean, you know, I mean Jesse, Jesse knows. Like, as a fan, man, I went through some stuff with Russell Wilson. Like that, mm-hmm. that Green Bay comeback in the NFC Championship game, like that oh. was like a out out of body experience for me during that
1: comeback. Like it I can't really even explain it. That was so, a roller coaster of emotions that game. Oh my god. I've never so been bad. as low and as high in one game. <laughs> like he was the worst quarterback in the league, and then they just they came back and I couldn't believe yep. it. And then the past a curse. I just like literally jumped out of my seat and screamed. I was so yep. excited.
2: And then and then the Super Bowl, the Ugh. the uh, walk-off pick that I didn't watch I would did not watch the replay of that interception by Malcolm Butler until last year. Oh and wow. Never, that's Wait, that's what I that mean. That long? Like, oh, yeah, I anytime it would come oh, on, I would turn no. I would turn away. And then last Dude. year I was like, You're being you're being childish. myself so I made forced myself to watch it and kind of started to make peace with it but it was honestly as a fan like it was after that game and that outcome that I really started to change the way I allowed myself to become so attached to the team and to the outcomes of the games like I was just tired of it ruining my entire week if they lost and like that hurts that that loss hurts so bad it's like you know how insanely hard it is to repeat as a super bowl mm-hmm. and, and like and you know as soon as you lose that game it's like and i said it out loud i was like i don't know when we're going to be back here nope it just
1: it just doesn't happen like this and it, here we are that game broke so, the dynasty oh it literally it, it there's it like a, a lot
2: of things yeah there's a
1: trail of just crumbs right after that where you see all these things happen and it just like it just slowly and you guys, did, have either
2: of you guys seen the movie mr baseball with tom Selleck?
1: Yes. No. Is,
2: is that the one? Is that the one where he? Or
1: maybe he's in Japan.
2: Of, oh, I'm thinking of a different. Are I'm you talking about? Movie,
1: I'm thinking Mack?
2: of a movie where a guy like he strikes out in high school, ends a game in baseball, and he pictures what it would have been like if he had hit the home run, and his whole life's different.
0: I oh wow! Of, I That's fascinating.
2: The, can't remember the name of the movie, but that I think about that. I think about what the NFL would look like, what the mm-hmm. Seahawks would look like, where people would be playing. If they had yep. just
1: given the ball to Lynch, or like and nine. Brady's life completely changes as far as like they haven't won it eight years up until that point. If they don't win that game, who knows when they get back? Because that's a devastating loss for them. So it's just like this it whole, was there was a, just, yeah yeah it's it a was whole a pivotal
2: moment in sports history for sure.
0: Yep. And like even off of that, like does jimmy g have the opportunity to go to a different team or does he stay like who knows you know it's Mm -hmm. like the the ripples of that it's really fascinating (laughs) the ripples of that are are pretty enormous yeah Yeah. um but but uh scott i like the one point you made up about you you hit a point of not being like emotionally attached i hit that point for myself it was it was actually 10 years ago um Mm -hmm. watching uh the 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 philadelphia phillies actually uh, get eliminated in the playoffs against the St. Louis Cardinals on a game five. This was a game. I don't know if you remember this. Um, Ryan Howard hit a grounder towards Achilles to end the game. Oh, and I Roy, remember that. Yep. Yeah. Roy Halliday or I think it was Roy Halliday or Cliff Lee. It was one of them. Mm-hmm. I think it was Halliday. He gave up one, one run in the first inning. And there was like no more runs after that. It was just a one, nothing game. Game five, is like, it was like the clincher. I was so mad and upset at that game. We were doing like a day trip to like New York with like my uh, in-laws and stuff. I just was pissed off all day long. And I'm like, this is mental. Like I cannot be this upset over something that's completely out of my control, you know, because I, I will be very happy if like my teams win and I will be upset if my teams lose. But I'm at a point now where it's like the sting of like a normal loss it's just fleeting it's just gone now you know mm-hmm. so i think it is like a healthy step to find this point of fandom where you can appreciate what the team's doing but just not so much like live and die with with every decision or every loss you know and
2: it's a it's a trade off so you have to i mean for me i had to make a decision cuz like part of the reason i allowed myself to be that way so long was cuz at least in my head the way i saw it was well if i'm struggling that much when it's bad think about how sweet it's going to be you know like the what is the darkest light is always right before the day or whatever it is yeah so yeah, yeah. you know you know the sun shines brighter after a heavy rain that type of stuff so like that was part of it you know so it was like when they did win that super bowl like i was still in that mode and it was just cloud 9 for months <laughs> and so I understand that by yeah, it's a it's a it's a little bit of a sacrifice. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, that that yeah. Super Bowl win actually kind of changed how I viewed football. Like I just saw like how it completely changed so many people. Like their attitude shifted so much, and I was like, "Man, you're that heavily invested in football?" And like this is something I grew up my whole life. While I was always so heavily invested, but I would like see these other people and they would just be so up and down all the time. And then I'd look at myself and be like, that's just, it's just not healthy. Slowly, like slowly trickled. It, yeah. yeah. And then finally, like when I started writing for fantasy content, I was like, I can't do both of these because it's just getting in the way of me trying to be like objective while I'm watching the Seahawks. So now I prefer to watch the red zone over Seahawks games just because like, I don't want to get that invested in every game where I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like what's going on. So I'm just like, well, and it's been helpful.
2: Of- it's been helpful too, to make that same transition in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Cause I used to get, just as pissed off in fantasy if I lost you know what I mean and that's utterly ridiculous like (laughs) what I mean like but I would would just like I would sit there and watch every freaking 10th of a point accumulate every yard and fractional scoring you know until the end of Monday Night Football and it's just it's just not a sustainable healthy way to to be a fan It's, it's supposed to be fun so
0: yeah that's, that's right yeah i think i think for me um now being in like 15 whatever dynasty leagues like there's some leagues i'm going to watch closer than others but it's like there's so many different scenarios happening all at once it's like it's just see how it goes you know what i mean but obviously you, you have your higher stakes ones or the ones that like mm-hmm. you have the, your longest running leagues you're obviously going to watch a little closer but i think that for me has helped me on my Sundays, and, and, and like, and like, uh, and, and like, just through the whole slate, you know, it's not as uh, devastating because I used to literally just what, like, be like, look like I didn't have cable in college. I just would like watch the games, like, on the GameCast on my phone or on oh, yeah. my computer mm-hmm. all day. Yep. All day. And in just there. like mostly just pissy, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. please, someone <laughs> yeah. just score or whatever, just you know? A touchdown, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, yeah. this is just not a way to live, you know. But a
2: touchdown and gets called back by penalty. Yeah, just, the, just, yeah, yeah, that's diving so
0: funny.
1: into multiple leagues has made like a massive difference for that. Where I'm like, my home yeah. league we've been going on like 12 years, so that one I'm pretty invested in. But the rest of them, it's kind of just like check it in. See, so, like, all right, cool, like winning or losing, and then I'm like.
2: Yeah, last you know. year I went from, like I've had two at 1.3, but mainly two home leagues for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year I jumped from that to 15 total leagues. It's you know, like a lot of, I like when I first kind of joined the space, I was really into like joining all these different charity leagues. And I still am. The charity leagues are really mm-hmm. fun. Um, Scott Fishbowl included. Um, but it got to the point where I was like, I am not physically able to get stressed about all this because I can't, I just know there's not enough time in the day for me to stress about all this. Yeah. The other, yeah, thing, that's been, player, the other yeah. thing that's been just wonderful. I mean, part of it too, is I, I love creating content. I love looking for interesting things to produce and write and all that kind of stuff. So that coming at it from that angle has helped with my objectivity when it comes to things so much. And I think it's only going to help me continue to dominate my home leagues. <laughs> <You know what laughs>
1: yeah, I mean? like, I've,
0: I've kind of transitioned from being upset that my fantasy team is losing or, or, or excited that, that they're winning compared to like my calls of the week happening or not happening. You know, so now it's like a whole nother. Oh. It's like, well, I had a lot. I, I said a whole lot about Trey Sermon. Let's see what he – yeah, that was a big one for me last year. And that was just was a rough season for for, for, for Stevie over here uh, because of seeing that play out. Oh, my God. Um, oh,
2: we've all been there. That was a, oh. a lot of people got that one.
0: Yeah, oh no, definitely. but but still, like it's just it's amazing how how that has flipped. Like, obviously, I really want to win like the leagues I'm in, but I also, if I'm dishing out advice, I want the no, advice I'm to be good s- too. You know, yeah,
1: uh,
2: like you know, and I'm not just paying lip service to it. I truly would rather help other people with their teams. Yeah, because I'm the. I mean, for me too. Like, I've never really been like play for money guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I'm
2: playing in some charity leagues there for money, but like, I don't. I'm not a big gambler, so I'm not like in it for any kind of money. Like. Right. A lot of people are like, "Oh, how how could you even be possibly be motivated if it's not for money?" It's like mm-hmm. I treat a free league the exact same way I treat a money league.
0: You know I mean? yeah. 100.
2: There's no difference. So, um, then I lost my train of thought. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I'm with you though. I
0: I, I want like my home league trophy more than like the prize pool. Oh, you know, like like yeah. I want my name etched because we have like a little etch. You know, yeah, like we yeah. we, so do we. So create. Do we. we have a. An engraving that, that we nail on at mm-hmm. our live draft every year of the champion of the year before i've been to two two championships haven't won one yet in this will be our 17th season so i want my name on that trophy yeah. more than the sum of all the years mm-hmm. combined of the money that, that i could have won but
2: uh, you know how it goes in home leagues it's just like if you if you, it, like if you studied a book of holdem poker for five years and then you go play poker if you come up against somebody who doesn't know the game of poker you you might lose to them you know what mm-hmm. i mean like that it's that it happens in fantasy football too where i'm like just trashing somebody's pick some a draft pick they made or who, who they chose mm-hmm. to start and then it just so happens that game against me that who they chose to start scores two random <laughs> touchdowns and i you know what i mean it's just such yeah, a it's-
1: it's <laughs> like when people knock analytics, I'm like, no, 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 it's not 100%. Like, they're just giving you a probability it's going to happen. So, like, people yeah. constantly knock that. Yeah. I'm like, no, like, there is still a chance you will be 100% yeah. wrong. If, like, analytics it is all
2: about just <laughs> yeah. up in the odds of your decision. That's
1: it. <laughs> people are like, oh, you told me to. T- no. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would much rather be right on telling people what to do than, like, my team because, you know, I take pride in my work. So I don't want to look like an idiot, like, 24-7. Or I'm just like, they're like, you told me to do this. And I'm like, I know, I'm so sorry. I, well, and I screw that up. I mean,
2: I, I don't know if I can speak for you guys, but it's it's also, it's just, it's a little bit different too. Like when I'm answering a question for somebody else's lineup, I'm able to kind of treat it, my approach to the question a little bit different. When it's my team, I go to irrational places. I I, I don't, <laughs> logic can go out the window when I'm making my decisions. You know what I mean?
0: So yeah, that's, I, what, that's
2: also why I really like helping other people because I feel like I approach it very objectively and... You know, with no take lock involved, no homerism involved. Mm-hmm. All that stuff goes out the window. So,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I have the same experience. It's it's quite fascinating, it uh, for sure. But, yeah, so it seems like um, we're kind of eerie on, on the Seahawks this season, right? We're both kind of are looking ahead to, to 2023. Uh, so I just want to kind of summarize uh, the free agency moves. Then we'll get into the NFL draft uh, selections. Uh, So some of the notable losses, uh, we obviously already touched on Russell Wilson. Uh, Another major loss was a linebacker, Bobby Wagner. And then, of course, just another brutal goes right to the Rams like that just really stinks. Um, Lost on uh, DJ Reed and then tight end uh, Gerald Everett. Uh, Now that kind of gets that becomes like an, an addition by subtraction as far as I'm concerned, as they bring in uh, Noah fans. And then uh, with, with the other additions, uh, quarterback drew Locke in that trade. And then they were able to retain Geno Smith uh, as well as linebacker, uh, Uchenna Nwosu. I hope I said that right. I've been having like a little bit where I have a figurative, uh, jar where every time I mispronounce a player's name, I throw a quarter in. So, I think I got through that one okay, so I'm, I'm a quarter richer today. Um, but anyway, um, what are your thoughts on these free agency moves? Obviously, we touched on Wilson and Drew Locke and that. Um, how are we feeling about losing Bobby Wagner? Is that just like, well, you might as well just lose another superstar if you don't have Wilson, or where, 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 where are you guys at with that?
2: I think, I mean, it, it was similar to Wilson with Wagner. I mean, obviously, Bobby Wagner's been a huge, huge part, you know, I mean, basically borderline NFL defensive player of the year, every year he played, yep. um, you know, came out in the same draft, second round pick out of Utah state, you know, so looking back at that draft, second round, Bobby Wagner, third round, Russell Wilson. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's actually the results of those few drafts back then uh, gave a, a very long grace period to John Schneider <laughs> yes. and Pete Carroll with their picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh
0: damn it. i lost my train of thought again
2: you guys uh, what well, was
0: was was sherman that same year or was he the year prior he
2: was the year before but he was fifth I, round. Okay. chancellor was fifth yeah, exactly round. um yep. so bobby Wagner. so i i don't think it would have been smart to extend him um to pay him a big a big payday his his numbers were going down um you know jordan brooks was really taking the reins leading you know, as far as is just as far as raw tackling number of mm-hmm. tackles goes and just being a force on the defense. Uh, Wagner, you know, he wasn't really I, I didn't really pay attention after he went to the Rams. Um, but I that hurt from like an emotional, nostalgic standpoint. Yeah. But that yeah. that core has been. Floating away for quite some
0: time, slowly being pulled apart. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: So, I mean, at some point you have to move on to something new. You know, they did re-sign KJ Wright I saw today. They brought KJ Wright back, so that's yeah, kind just... of the opposite opposite direction, but he's one of those old school guys. Um, but I mean it's just it's going to be a completely different team. I'm Jerry's still out for me on some of these on some of these moves. Um because it's just it's just such a different, you know, for 10 years my my perspective going into an offseason has been such that like we're a Super Bowl contender. You know, for the most part Mm -hmm. Uh, Or at least we're a playoff contender. And so this year, it's just like, it's, it's a, I'm adjusting to like, Oh, is that move smart for a rebuild? Or is that trying to win now? Like I'm adjusting to try and like maneuver that as a fan. um,
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. uh, I I know I brought it up earlier, but, but when the Eagles got rid of Donovan McNabb, I think in the same season or the year after they also traded away um, or they didn't extend um, Brian Dawkins like just a total face of the defense for many mm-hmm. years. And that was just like a total gut punch. Like just, just pay the guy. Like he's responsible for a lot of the success that the team has had. So, yeah, I mean, so that was like a boom, boom, sort of a, a transition as well. But um, ugh, it's horrible. But uh, yeah, so I, I am just kind of curious on your guys' thoughts now. Um, retained? Geno Smith brought in Drew Locke. Uh, Geno Smith, for his career as a starter, has a 13-21 record. Drew Locke, 9-15 for his career as a starter. Uh, Geno Smith obviously played in that time when uh, Russell Wilson was uh, out. Uh, uh, Actually, kind of surprising, he was only out for just a couple of weeks, I I guess like three and a half weeks with with the finger situation. But Geno Smith did go 1-2 and in that time. Do you guys have any preference on... Well, uh, a two-part question. Who do you think the team will pick to be the starter in Week 1? And then who do you want to be the starter in Week 1? We'll start with you, Jesse.
1: So this is like the most confusing part about where I don't understand where this is going. Sure. So if, if they want to compete this year, they're going to start Gino just because he gives them that floor where they know he's not going to kill them. And <laughs> he knows the system. He's been with them a long time. Um, so he they have that confidence in him to be able to at least you know play respectable ball-ish kind of, you know? Um, and then if you really want to chase that upside, maybe you hit with drew Locke, Um, or if he falls on his face, it works that way too, where you get a high draft pick. So Gino Smith's kind of the middle ground. And I think that's where they're going to go just because I don't know if they have confidence in Locke, and everything so far feels like he still hasn't fully caught up to the system and is learning it. And for someone they brought in and then he got second team reps and OTAs the whole time. I found that very strange. Like, why would you bring in this young guy and then just like, Gino get all the reps if that's who you're going to go with. So I would bet on Gino, and I still think he's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, if they decide to go the other way, then that will tell me a lot about how they feel about this team. Yeah. Gotcha. Not- oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut right? you.
2: Oh no, no, yeah, like it's it is confusing, and I, I totally agree with those two routes basically. Um, and I agree. I think if if in their eyes they want to. Compete for a wild card or whatever it is Then they will likely go with Gino For the reasons you said I want them to go with Drew Locke personally Um, The reason I want them to go With Drew Locke is because I'm not saying that there's more than a 0.5% chance He might actually be good in this system It's such a long shot But Geno Smith is Not the answer We do know that He's not the long term answer and so I think about it somewhat simplistically. It's like, if, it, if it's a rebuild and the quarterback of the future is not on the team right now, then why, why waste time and seasons messing around? Play Drew Locke. If he hits, that's great. If he doesn't, then you get a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like a lot of people over the offseason come to me as a Seahawks and they're like, ooh, do you, do you want them to get Baker? And I'm like, No. I don't, you know, it's like the future of the Seahawks at the quarterback position, you know, once, once the off season kind of settled a little bit was not available in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, And so, and I'm probably thinking about it too simplistically. That's what I mean. Like the organizations probably aren't thinking about it like that, but for me, it's like the fastest, fastest way from point A to point B, which is being a, a solid contender again is a quarterback that is not in the league yet mm-hmm. so why would you spend money on baker mayfield why would you bring in jimmy garoppolo why would you start geno smith like but again they're not going to be like yeah let's lose for a draft pick they just that's not the way they operate yeah, that's, I, that's 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 I what just, I struggle with so I think, much. I think drew i just think drew lockett would be maddening but it just we know we're not going anywhere this year it'd be more fun i think he'd be way more fun then Gino Smith, you know, like freestyle rapping on the sidelines and like all that <laughs> stuff. You know what I mean? He's got some swag, so we'll see.
1: Yeah. And you have like all the um, the change on the line too, which is a really big deal. Like Dwayne Brown's gone. They brought in Charles Cross, um, who's the first round. And then they got Abe Lucas in the third, I think. Mm-hmm. And people are talking him up, but he's still a third round rookie. So it's very unsure. And you have question marks very much on your line and on the D line as well, where they couldn't generate a lick of pressure last year. So, I don't know how you plan on winning if you cannot protect your quarterback or generate pressure on the quarterback on the other side of the ball. So, it's that's like my biggest question mark about this team or the line. Like, if the line works, it will help the quarterbacks. But, like, I have no idea if it's going to work this year.
2: Yeah. That's why I think the, some of these draft picks they've made, some of these moves they made, they scream, you know, 2023, mm-hmm. 2024. You know, like picking, a th- you know, even though. Lucas is a third, I think he's in Lucas, right? Am I right on yep. that? Yeah. yeah, Lucas from, from, from Washington state. Um, you know, even though he's a third rounder, them spending a first round and third round draft capital on the O line. That's not something the Seahawks are known for really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny enough. It happened right when Russell Wilson left, but, <laughs> um, but you know, that, that could look great in a year or two, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I, but this year that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, it's just, it's not going to happen. So to me, starting Geno Smith doesn't really make much sense. Other than, I mean, other than just like getting through the season.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. They yeah.
2: You know,
1: Drew Locke's terrible. Like that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the, the uh, QB battle, if you will, uh, through, through training camp will be, or even in the preseason. Because I think mm-hmm. they both are going to get significant reps you know in in those games because they really are trying to see you know what's going to happen there I secretly am am rooting for Drew Locke to be the starter just because I agree I think it would be a little bit more fun uh, he is also my QB four and Scott Fishbowl, so it's very selfishly, I'm hoping something happens there with that. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be just a very fascinating situation to to see. But but there are these like team foundational pillars that just are just very much either missing or in transition on the Seahawks team. Um, I think that they they did address them to a certain degree in the draft. Uh, So so we'll kind of review a little bit of that now touched on uh, Charles cross uh, at pick nine. Um, He actually was one of the uh, exact hits I had uh, from episode Mm -hmm. one. I did a mock draft and Charles cross is who I had for the Seahawks at nine. He was one of four exact hits. So, I don't know if that's good or bad. I was just like, Hey, that actually happens. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, then around two, they, they got the edge um, and linebacker um, boy math. And then around two 41 next pick uh, Kenneth Walker, uh, the running back. And then around uh, three, Abraham Lucas, the tackle round four, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, the, the cornerback then rounds five and seven. They went cornerback linebacker, wide receiver, wide receiver. Um, so overall, uh, what would you guys say was your favorite pick, and what was your least favorite pick? And of the players that they drafted, um, would you have had any preferences, either at different positions or with the specific players they selected? What I mean by that is, like, say, say at number nine, mm-hmm. would you guys have rather have gotten Willis or Pickett if they were going quarterback, or were you guys out on this QB class? Where were you guys at going through the draft? We'll start with you, Scott. Um, well,
2: for starters, I actually was, you know, I mean, as a Seahawks, as a fan, pretty much any fan of any team after the draft's over, like yeah, we killed that draft. But like <laughs> um, as a Seahawks fan watching some of the questionable kind of reaches and like getting pretty cute with stuff over the past, you know, eight, nine years. I was actually pretty happy that they kind of did what they should have done, at least definitely in the first round. I I was praying they didn't take a quarterback from this class. in the first Gotcha.
0: Round. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Not at all.
2: Um, I honestly, I, I didn't, I wasn't really interested in the quarterbacks from this class. Um, if they could have, I, I think at one point, I think it was late. It was getting later. And if Ritter might, if Ritter was still there, I was like, well, you might as well take a shot. But then he went, Um, and I mean, it. you know, the, the NFL said their piece on this quarterback class, you had to pick it in the first and that was it until like the third or fourth. So, I mean, that's um, right. So I, I certainly didn't want that. My my favorite pick, honestly, was probably boy uh or me for what I, -hmm. I, I, I,
0: that's that's a name. That's a coin in the jar.
2: (laughs) See, the thing is, is I was going to, I was going to mention that earlier because I make it a point when I'm doing a show sheet, if I don't know how to pronounce something, I go and look up how to pronounce it just out of basic respect. And then I still did that. So throw a quarter in for me. I'll I'll get it it back at some point. Uh, I like that pick because I really nerded out on on pre-draft mocking, and you know I did a a study on like all these mock drafts across the industry, just trying to get some averages. I mean, mock drafting the actual NFL draft is insanely difficult. Um, Uh Like you get one or two right, you know, you get Charles Cross right at nine. Hey, that's a good year. But um, right. yeah. he, he, he just, he was, he was a first round grade in a lot of different mocks I saw for a good month leading up to the draft. So the fact that, that, and that also, you know, there's a little bit of symbolism there too, because it was one, that was the pick they got from Denver that they were able to use to, I think, get, you know, a, a good young athletic defensive end slash linebacker. Um, so that was my, that was probably my favorite pick. Um, yeah. What about you, Jesse.
1: So my favorite pick was Cross, just because he was in that tier of tackles, which were like the top three. And I was curious, like, I was under the impression, like, the quarterbacks were actually better. Like, people kept mocking Pickett, and they would get Willis, and then there was maybe like another guy going. So I was like, maybe we go early round two QB. But of course, that did not happen. And it turned out like there was just smoke around all these quarterbacks where they just weren't good. And the NFL told us how they felt about those quarterbacks. Um, but Cross is my favorite because he is supposed to be a foundational piece that you can sit on your line, forget him for the next decade, and you build around him. And left tackle is one of like the three most important positions in the NFL. So I was all for that. Moffat was interesting. I hated the Walker pick just because I don't understand why you take a running back who has a short shelf life if you don't have the quarterback solution like figured out. So it feels like you're wasting his prime with not a good quarterback. And that just my brain like that never meshes. Mm-hmm. So, and I like, so when they took that pick, I was like, what, what are we doing? Like, I know he's a very good runner. Like he will be a good runner. He's probably not gonna be a pass catcher, but that's a different story, but he will be a good runner. And it might not be till 2023 until that happens. But like, I'm, I will be happy. We have him. But like that pick initially, like I needed some time to digest that. I was just like, I could never understand as a GM, like rationalizing that pick. Like it just doesn't make sense to me if you're not going to win. So that was my biggest like WTF. What are you guys doing moment?
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I definitely had a similar thought. Um, and I did like him as a prospect coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like with like Rashad Penny there. And, and that's already, is kind of a hairy situation. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little while. Um, that, that seemed to be a bit of a head scratcher, uh, almost like a luxury pick that they just didn't, that, that, that they couldn't afford to take, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, I think um, because of some of the question marks So with the quarterback class, like, and you guys said it, like the NFL told us exactly how they felt about this class, you know, and it's this this whole hype machine leading up to the NFL combine and then the mock drafts, like, oh my God, the, the millions of mock drafts you see. I really was like on the edge of my seat to see like when some of these quarterbacks are going to go. Then most of them didn't even go until day two or day uh, day mm-hmm. two. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was kind of remarkable to see that. But um, well, yeah, we, were yeah. coming,
2: we were coming off like, you know, we were coming off like a crazy amount of quarterbacks the previous year in the first mm-hmm. Yep. You know, my biggest reason was just like, I just, I, I didn't have a good feeling about the quarterback class and, Knowing the Seahawks are headed, you know, as mm-hmm. fans just call it what it is, is a you know, a rebuild mm-hmm. to to kind of restock and reboot. Nothing will set you back longer and more detrimentally than making this... the wrong choice on a first round quarterback. Absolutely. Right where the Seahawks are now. Like if they had done that, if they had picked somebody and it didn't pan out, like then you're then you're you're committed to that quarterback. Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: so, I mean, the only team the, the only team that I think ever – just said, screw it. We're picking another early quarterback. Was when the Cardinals took Kyler Murray so soon after Rosen. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's Josh Rosen. So that makes sense, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, poor Josh Rosen.
0: I know, no, but, I but but it is I'm a sorry, pretty Josh remarkable. It, it is a remarkable like decision though, because they take Rosen at ten, and then it was, and then and then at that then at one overall the next year, they had like that was that the, the the Steve Wilkes year where like he just was like the coach and they just gone you know after a single season and then um and then and then you know they they're picking first it would have been just remarkable to just say ah we already have our guy let's just get like but, but i think i that, think you
2: know the majority of teams that's what that's what happens like no, they don't want to be wrong
0: that's mm-hmm. right Yeah. So, so, so it is um, very interesting and and it is, it is wild that even with, with the Josh Rosen pick again, if you're watching, hello and sorry. um, It is remarkable (laughs) how the Cardinals have like steadily improved year over year with Kyler Murray as the quarterback, you know, uh, the first season was obviously a little bit of a struggle and then chipping away, chipping away. And then they make the playoffs, you know, last year and then uh, early exit, but either way, it is, is remarkable. It's like, you want to just kind of keep to that, 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 that process and, and not just kind of like uh, eat it, if you will, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think um, all said and done, I think the the Seahawks would be wise to kind of focus their sights on, on a quarterback in, in, in next year's class, because, and this kind of comes into like this next little section here um, after reviewing the schedule, what do you guys think is like a realistic um, amount of like wins and losses? Uh, So like if like uh, Jesse, you said earlier, you think that they could like, be like kind of like middling. So do you think Mm -hmm. that could mean eight wins? Do you think that means seven wins? Like, do you think they, they're, they're going to be in a position to get one of like the, the better like QBs for, for, for next year or.
1: Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have a lot of faith um, this year. And like so I, I should have rephrased what I said. Like I think they're going to be like more on the board bad side of post a yeah. um, the over under is five and a half, and that's like a very tricky spot for me. Like okay. I was looking at I was looking at the schedule and I was like, I could pick about four wins out. Um, and then outside of that, and I was just like, Man, a lot of these games just look tough. And I really was like, Well, like I would <laughs> I kinda wanna take the under. I just don't have faith, yeah. like looking through who they play. Like they gotta go to London, they play the Bucks. There's a game against the Bears they could, like, win. They got the Falcons. Um, you have the Jets, who could be good. And, like, the Panthers. Outside of that, oh, yeah, the Giants. So, that's, like, the five games. Like, I can see, like, they have a decent shot. Outside of that, there's just, like, it's not a good look for them. Like, I don't I don't see how they, they beat the over, honestly. Like, I struggle with it. And I yeah. still can't. It. I mean,
2: Vegas. Vegas. So can be so accurate. I'm mm-hmm. always just like, how do they? Because every time there's an over under, I'm like, all right. And then I look at it and I'm like, damn it.
1: <laughs> you know, it's
2: like, that's, yeah. that's, exactly that's right there. Yeah. Get. Yeah, there's a wizard
1: behind the curtain back there. He's magic. Yeah, I mean, my biggest question,
2: like, I don't think they're going to be competitive. I don't, you know, it'd be a fluke for them to beat any of the top caliber teams, in my opinion. What Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to look like yet is how they'll look against the other mediocre competition. I just don't know. I don't know that yet. I don't know how bad they actually are. Mm -hmm. So, but if I had to, if I
0: had to wager a bet, I would take the under. Yes. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, you know,
2: I was betting money.
0: So, so I say, you know, four or five wins. I think that that puts them what, like pick five or six at least. You know, maybe in seven. Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess yeah, I guess in that range. So I don't know. I think that that, that would be a pretty good shot at like mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud or or Bryce uh, Young or whoever. You know, it just, it'd be interesting. On, you know,
2: yeah, it just depends on which other
1: teams are ahead and if they need a quarterback.
0: Yeah, like- <laughs> that's right. Yeah it'll
1: probably be those tier guys down like will Levis or somebody like that because if you if you need stroud or young it's gonna have to be like one or two more than likely just because the way teams feel about those guys
0: yeah for sure for sure um so like how how uh, far away do you think the seahawks potentially are from like being able to compete in the division again like are you looking like Two years ahead, three years, like one year ahead. Uh I, I, I asked a similar question when, when I had um when, when I did my Falcon show with mm-hmm. with Joe Griffin and, and and Akash. And they 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 were pretty much looking at 2024 for, for, mm-hmm. for their Atlanta Falcons. You think that's like a similar time frame for 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 the Seahawks as well?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Like you need so they need these draft picks to pan out, and then you can at least like Ideally, take a next step forward, 2023, and maybe you're like a fringe contender if you figure out your quarterback situation or whatever. Um, At least you'd be competitive, and then ideally, 2024, you have the quarterback ready to roll. The team is complete, and like you're taking the next step forward where the Rams are falling off. You don't know what's going on with the 49ers at that point. I mean, Trey Lance is scary, but maybe it doesn't work out. And then the Cardinals, if Kyler Murray studies or not, I guess you know, then then maybe you could take him, but. Yeah, my I'm thinking 2024 is like ideally the range where. Yeah, yeah. I
2: think that's. I mean, I, in a way, I think that's best case earliest mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Rams are eventually going to run out of money, and then you know what I mean. So they won't supposedly. To, yeah. They, <laughs> draft picks. They like trade all these draft picks and spend all this money, and then then you look and they're like, oh, they have nine draft picks. It's like, what's happening?
0: Yeah, um,
1: and then just all superstars.
2: <laughs> but like. You know, for me, I mean, the quarterback situation, I haven't looked far enough ahead. I don't know what potential existing NFL quarterbacks are going to become available or whatever, who would be a potential answer. But if you're talking about like a rookie quarterback coming in, being the future of the team, I mean, I would, I would really want it to be one of those top two guys. I mean, that would Mm -hmm. be ideal, even if it means trading up. Um, So let's say you get one of those top two guys. I mean, best, best case scenario is another Russell Wilson situation where you bring him in and he takes you to the playoffs his rookie year. But like that, that's not very common. So to me, you know, if you, if you get a rookie uh, in the next draft, it's, you know, the best case for the team to kind of gel and become competitive probably is the, you know, his second year.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> to gotcha. point,
2: Now you've got a running back with wear on his tires because you drafted him before your quarterback, <laughs> which doesn't make sense.
0: For sure. For sure. Okay. So at the end of the day, we do want this show to be a fantasy football show. I do enjoy a lot of the basic um, standard football talk, but we're going to get into the real good stuff now. Uh, So you guys can go any direction you want. Dynasty, redraft or both if you want, but we're going to talk about offensive players in the in the Seahawks system to either target at their projected cost and players to fade at their projected cost. Uh, Jesse, let's start with you. Uh, Dynasty redraft or both uh, players to target on the Seahawks.
1: So the cheapest option for the passing attack is for the receivers, it's Lockett, it, um, and the tight end, it's Fant. If you're going for Dynasty, you want Fant. Just because Lockett is getting older, he's going to be past his prime, um, and Fan is slowly getting into his prime. So that's the guy I would target. Metcalf is super expensive still, but he put up a 27% target share, which is very elite. So if, say, the Seahawks get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud next year, that would look very nice. So if you can pay up for him, do it. I am going to not touch either of these running backs this year. Like It very much scares me just because I don't trust the line and I don't trust QB play. And I know Scott had a good piece on this, but I am in a wait and see approach. Like I will pay attention to next year. And if say Walker struggles, his price drops, then I'll have interest. But just like right now, he's just too expensive for me. I don't really want to touch him. So basically it's like Metcalf or Fant are the two guys in Dynasty. In redraft, I'll just take Lockett because he's super cheap. And you know he's going to at least put up like a decent floor numbers. Um I don't want either quarterback if I don't have to touch him. So that's kind of where I'm at this year in reject.
2: Unless they're your QB4 and
1: Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, right. like, right. you know, yeah, Then it's like, you know, throw a dart, yeah. why not? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny. I actually hedged my bet. I think I got Geno Smith in in, in in the Warrior Bowl. So one or the other, you know, I'm hoping either way, and then they'll probably both get I'm injured gonna... and then they get Jimmy G. So who knows? <laughs> I don't know. But, uh...
2: I'm in a dynasty league where I, I, pay, I have quarterback issues. So I, I paid up some fab for geno smith and it did it just it just I mean, felt strange it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i took a shower afterwards and everything you know what i mean oh yeah so it's all just, dirty um, yeah yep so i do agree i think the best price versus value in redraft is locket um i think i was looking on my fantasy league and he's like way back in the wide receiver 40 range he's mm-hmm. you know i mean i get it i get fading all the offensive players for seattle with the current situation but that's kind of ridiculous um I'm actually in redraft specifically, not in dynasty, but in redraft, I've decided to take a stand, plant a flag in Rashad Penny. Um, okay. Part of the reason for that is, you know, the team, as we've talked about it, they're going to have their first new quarterback in 10 seasons. Um, they have some, they have some new personnel. So I don't think they're just going to throw a rookie running back to the wolves um, in that scenario. Rashad Penny has been with the team for, multiple years now. So, I mean, I think there's that aspect. I do think also it's like, you know, with both Rashad Penny and David Montgomery last year, there was all this talk about, well, yeah, they smashed, but look at their, their opponents. But I've always had an issue with that. Like if someone like Rashad Penny, you gotta, if you look at the whole picture with him, he's battled a lot of injuries and that sucks. Is that his fault? I don't know. It seems like once a player gets injured enough, people just start to be like, Oh, you suck. You just get injured all the time. Whatever. He's been injured a lot before he got injured. He had a, a an extremely good college prospect profile across the board. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, should he have gone, should he have been drafted before Nick Chubb? I still say no to that, but I don't think it's, it's as crazy outlandish. If you look at it objectively, get it rid of the hindsight. It's not as outlandish as people think it is now. Um, And I mean, what Penny did, like it was ultimately since his rookie year, it was his first healthy stretch of six games, first one. And he was the RB one. And, you know, he, in some of those games, you know, hundred over 130 yards rushing. Like, again, I'm not, I don't want to chase the yards and the touchdowns. I just think with that draft capital with what he showed in college and with what he just showed with a offensive line that was ranked 25th by PFF. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it was some stellar offensive line. He was running behind. He absolutely went ham. So I just think that it's his I think it's going to start as his backfield. I don't think it's going to be like a 80-20 split. I think it'll be like 60-40, 65-35 on, in Penny's favor. But they signed him to a one-year deal. I think it's his last year in Seattle. I don't think he's part of their future plans. I just think they're going to give him the ball quite a bit. So Again, I was, I've been using my fantasy league uh, ADP data at least this week. I like to bounce around a little bit. And their <laughs> redraft data um, currently has him as the RB33. And to me, I think that's a good deal. Um, I think that's worth the risk of somebody. I mean, I don't think he necessarily has top 12 in his range of outcomes with Walker there. But I think he certainly has top 24. Um, it's, a, it's a risk. They could be a 50-50 split that's just a big mess all year. Easily could be but I'm not discounting those last six games just based on opponents. I think he's, I think he is a good running back. So
1: yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding.
2: Oh, and one last thing I agree. (laughs) Metcalf is still pretty expensive, not as expensive as when he was the dynasty overall wide receiver one there for a minute. But if you're in a dynasty, league, just keep an eye on him this year because Mm -hmm. Jesse brought up a very good point. He could have a much better quarterback situation next year. Or you know, in the in the near future, but if he plays badly this year, even people that are in a dynasty mindset are going to fade on him, and his price will drop. So just yep. keep it's keep. Just... <clears throat> I think in redraft, I think he's already dropped too far. Um, yeah. But in dynasty, just keep your eye on him because you yeah, can just it's... pick that time to strike.
1: It's been slowly dropping throughout ever since they traded Russell Wilson. He's just been slow. Like yeah, if you, you go to keep. Like... Go to keep charge cut and just watch it and just yeah. Like, and Somebody he, will post one of those on Twitter like, who is this? Mm-hmm. And it's like this. It's like, oh, that's the yeah. <laughs> yep. And he still has like a ginormous upside. Like he's proven oh, man. what he can do. So yeah, if you can get him for cheap, like that's very much someone I would happily target. Yeah. And you just suffer through this year with him. Yep. And he'll still give you a baseline. He'll no? still he'll still give you points this year. There's still mm-hmm. going to be points scored.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think in Dynasty uh, with, with Metcalf, you obviously know what he is. He's just a athletic freak of nature. Just get the ball in his hands; he's going to make it happen. You know, uh, in two startups I did this off season, I actually was able to get him as my first wide receiver. Mm-hmm. One in the late fourth, and the other in the fifth. Wow. So that's just like I'm running, smashing, spraining yeah, my that's, thumb, that's, pressing draft. You know, deal. that late. Um, yeah, that's so uh, to me that that was just like silly, you know what I mean? So like, I'm, I'm all about him in dynasty. I know there's definitely like, you're going to take a little bit of a hit this year potentially, but I mean, again, if they get like a, a solid quarterback in the future, I'm not, I'm not particularly, uh, um, we're, we're worried about him in dynasty. Redraft the players I'm targeting, uh, at cost are both Lockett and fan. So, so we already covered those for, for all the same reasons, uh, Lockett is just is just one of these players I I like can't quit. I'm just going to be drafting him until the day he retires. I just love him so much. Oh, wow. Um he's, he's very good. <laughs> no, he's he's, he's he's phenomenal. Um now for dynasty, uh the player I would be fading would be uh, Rashad Penny just because it may be mm-hmm. his last season in Seattle. But again, if you go in with like a Anchor like a hero RB build and he's your RB2. I mean, you could have much worse options, you know, in in that case, because if you go with that with that approach, you're set up everywhere else. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually would be okay with that. Not really someone that I would be going out of my way to target in, in a dynasty league. But then in redraft, I actually would be basically fading him and Penny or goodness, uh, Penny and Walker, because I think it will be kind of an ugly split. I sound like very um very cautious about well, what that'll look like but i do agree it is a very compelling case uh a lot of the injuries that um that um penny has had have been like kind of like random i'm not sure if they've been like reoccurring i haven't exactly looked into See, that that's the thing I, like i don't know yeah. i
2: don't know I'm not enough about the injuries like i'm making a pretty general statement but like you know just doesn't there's not a hundred percent chance he's getting injured this year just because he has gotten injured
0: but so, but his rookie year in camp, he like broke his finger. And yeah. that like and that and that that like set him back like the first few weeks of the season. And I remember it was against the Eagles actually. He had this like 40 like a, yard touchdown run. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's the kind of player this that. guy is. Like mm-hmm. He he looks like an absolute stud. He just looked. He just made our defense look like butter, you know. Um, so yeah, no. So I I think it is a very he's a very tricky case. Um, it's but a, I think it's,
2: very, it's a very risky flag to plant. I just I'm not yeah. I'm not known for flag planting, and so I decided to to do one. You know, like here. Uh, no, I'm I, wrong. I I. I'm wrong, I'm I, I, wrong. I,
0: I i love it yeah it, it's just uh it's a situation that i'm generally avoiding because yeah. i don't think they're going to be competitive i just think like like the game scripts are going to be like more often than not of course uh not in the favor of the running game but they may just kind of lean on the running game anyway you that's know better, like because if they stop the seahawks from running right exactly <laughs> yeah. um so just for for some of those uh reasons i would generally like yeah. As far as drafting a team, I would probably avoid them, but I would not hesitate to try to trade for one. You know, that that that, that's sort of is how I'm going to be approaching it from 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 a team building perspective. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm even more intrigued now uh, to to see how, how a lot of this plays out. I mean, it may just be ugly from like from like a fan's perspective of like the actual team, like not performing well. But, but from the fantasy side of things, i I'm really excited to see what happens with, with Gino. i I'm really excited to see what happens with, with drew lock here in in training camp in the preseason and with what happens with, with, with the running back room. but uh because we kind of know what what the right what, what, what the wide receivers are um, mm-hmm. with with Metcalf and Lockett and and fan, of course. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if any uh, third, wide receiver emerges, like maybe D Eskridge or, or, or someone else. I'm not so sure, but it'll be, just, I'm just, I mm-hmm. am just very fascinated by that, by the team and just kind of the dreary uh, transition that, that, that they currently have in front of them, but uh, definitely a, a exciting team to uh, watch. And I, uh, I appreciate you guys coming on. I think we have a very, uh, grounded idea, you know, of what to expect from from the Seahawks this year. Um, I mean, you always want to see your team succeed and if that's not always in wins and losses, you just want to see good process unfolding and good decision making unfolding. If it doesn't result in a win, you know, it's kind of the Lions last year, right? That it was like the best three or four win team in the league because they just really kind of like mm-hmm. rallied around each other and Dan Campbell and everything else. And you can see a lot of like the good things happening, even though it's not resulting in wins, you know? So I, I that that would be my hope for the Seahawks this year. Um, and then hopefully, you know, things can turn around quickly um, just because of the nature of the, of the division. It's just a tough one right now, you know, but, Either way, um, appreciate you guys coming on. I appreciate both of your perspectives on everything. Uh, that This was an absolute blast uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, just want you guys to go around, re- reintroduce where people can find you and find your work. Uh, we'll start with you, Jesse.
1: So, um, you could find me on the old um, bird app Twitter. <laughs> it's jmoller05. Uh, I'm on there just posting a lot of different things. Some nonsense, some fun, a lot of cool facts, stuff like that. So, if you want, my DMs are always open on there. Um, and you can find a lot of my written work on com, And yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Perfect. Cool. Real quick, because it says IDP
2: Guys Network. Um, we didn't really talk about that at all. But played in my first IDP Gle- P League last year, and I got Jordan Brooks pretty late. If you're an IDP League startup, draft Jordan Brooks. Dude killed it for me last year. Anyway. He's a tackle machine. Um so yeah, my name is Scott Rainier. You can find me on Twitter at Mundra FF. Um, I produce content for In Between Media. Uh, I do a, it's like a bi-weekly uh, column. We kind of combine life stories and anecdotes and just kind of advice and whatnot with fantasy football. So it's kind of both levels and there's NASCAR and DFS golf and all sorts of things there. So I also co-host the podcast, which I did earlier tonight as part of my double dip, and um, and i have a silly youtube series called pulp fantasy where i just talk about i basically use movie quotes and tv and stuff like that to kind of compare it to football and just have a good time it's pretty fun and then i write articles for fantasy data and that's exclusive exclusively just kind of data driven deep dive um, article writing so and i have a blast on twitter come hang out
0: Absolutely, both of both both of these guys are fantastic follows. Just really low key, hilarious guys. Uh, like uh, just very subtle, you know. You have your very funny people who are just more loud and very like whatever. But either way, you guys I think are very funny, but also a lot of great information. Um, I know that I always leave a lot of your threads or you know the like the, the 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 Godforsaken threads. Uh, your guys' information you, you tweet <laughs> out. Uh, I always leave. Uh, I think a, a better football thinker uh, because of it. And again, just really, I would say just sort of like the peak of what the community should be like, right? Just good guys, good information, lighthearted. It's just, you guys know what you're doing and it's working. So it's awesome. But yeah, just want to touch on, on Jordan, uh, Jordan Brooks real quick. Um, I, I, I cover mostly offense for the IDP guys uh, at um, .org, but um, the one IDP league I do play in year over year is like a part like keeper league, but it's with my wife and like a bunch of her cousins uh, on her side of the family. I rode Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks as my two linebackers through the playoffs and into the championship, actually beating my wife in the championship. So Jordan Brooks stud, Absolute yeah. tackle machine, as you guys said.
2: Yeah. I had I had Brooks and Roquan Smith in a oh in a scoring setting that was like very favorable for tackles. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, Oh, Jordan Brooks got me 45 points again. Look at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love Jeez. I love when it's yeah. like boosted scoring and not like yeah. depressed, and it's actually good. Because yeah, I have Roquan and I have TJ Watt in my IDP league, so I'm very happy with those two.
0: Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, for the,
1: thanks
2: for the kind words. I think Jesse probably would agree. Uh Comedy is a dish best served dry.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure, yes, for that's sure. The
2: way we like to roll. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, best of luck to you uh, with, with your fantasy teams, with, with your content coming out this year, and of course, uh, best of luck to your Seahawks. Have a great night, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for
1: having us. All
0: right. All righty, take it easy. See
1: ya.